Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport, also broadcasting on Talk Sport 2. I'm John Norman, alongside me, Steve Harmison, looking back at day and night two of the second test match, uh, Ashes test match between Australia and England. And uh, it was uh, one-sided, again, I'm afraid to say. Um, and it's very, very difficult to see England Getting back into the series, all the match, the way things stand. A sense of deja vu with some of the instances that took place um, at Adelaide. But uh, yeah, look, we'll look back and forward. You're listening to Following On. So if you're listening to the show, you probably know by now. Australia once again declared, this time 473 for nine declared. Uh, England in reply, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, Labashane uh, made 103. There was uh, a repeat of Ben Stokes' no ball dismissal. Um, this time, Ollie Robinson erring in, in length. Um, but uh, thankfully for Robinson, he dismissed Labashane the very next over. That was after dropping him as well. Uh, either way, England actually bowled really well in the first session, took three wickets, two of them just before the break. And at 302 for five, had dreams, much like they did at the Gabba, that they were going to uh, restrict the damage and uh, still be in the game. Unfortunately, Australia had other ideas. Steve Smith, that man again, 93. And Alex Carey, uh, 51. The two putting on the best part of 90 for the second uh, in the second session as uh, 385 for six when Smith went. Carey just before the tea break. But then after it, uh, Nisa and uh, Mitchell Stark really weighed in on a very tired-looking England bowling attack. 150 overs bowled. And then, of course, when Australia came out to bowl, fresh and firing, under lights, you know exactly what was to happen. Burns went uh, in Mitchell Stark's second over, edging to second slip. Hamid chipped a mid-on 
giving uh, Michael Nisa a first wicket in Test cricket. And uh, really, England thankful when a bit of rain and lightning hit South Australia, the Adelaide region, and they went off early. So where do England go from here? Uh, feeling that we've been here before. England, 17 for two. Australia, 473 for nine declared. And you're listening to Following Off. Story of the day. Well, Harmy, we said it during the first test. There was a feeling, even after two days, that we uh, were revisiting some truly dark days for English cricket in Australia. Um, and, uh, and that's continued, I'm afraid. You know, it was attritional stuff at times on day one and for two sessions on day two. But, you know, there was, uh, there was familiar failings in the field, uh, a lack of dimension with the bowling and uh, overstepping from Robinson, of course, and high-quality batting. And then, of course, uh, when England came out to bat, you just knew what was going to happen. And if it wasn't for the weather, I think they probably would have lost another couple. Where on earth do we go from here? I mean, already you're starting to think this this, uh, series is stretching out for another three tests, but the gulf between the two sides, as things stand, looks just looks too, it looks insurmountable. Yeah, it is a, it's a big gulf and we can, uh, you can look at a, a host, a whole host of things that you can throw, you can throw in, you know, the preparation stuff that goes with what it was, to, what it takes to go to Australia and be ready for Australia in their own back garden. You can look at, you know, team selection, but unfortunately the players that have been on show have not, have not been up to it. They've not. They've not played till their full fuller potential. Um, I thought England bowled brilliantly yesterday. I really did. There was signs this morning of wear and tear in the surface in day two. There was a little bit more movement. Um, in England's bowlers bowled accordingly. They bowled a bit fuller. I don't think it's as simple as saying right that you know they, they were in the dressing room last night or this morning. Then they kick up the backside and gone out there and got total ball fuller. I just thought the conditions suited bowling fuller today where they had to drag their length back yesterday. And the difference between that and what Australia have got is Australia have got three bowlers in excess of 135 to one, one well, Mitchell Scott can bowl 150. And that's the difference. Yeah, England's bowlers had to bowl that back of a length because their bowlers, our bowlers don't bowl quick enough to try uh, to trouble the outside edge when you bowl that little bit fuller. The floated half volleys get belted for four. So... I think that's what happened yesterday going into this morning. I thought they stuck to the task again well, but unfortunately, you know, the juices just run out. You know, the engines run out and the, the human element of not having enough cricket in their legs before the first test match, I think really showed, it really showed this morning. I thought Robinson tired. I thought Jimmy and, and Brody looked as though you know, into their fourth and fifth spells like they hadn't bowled competitively for a while. Ben Stokes tired. I felt sorry for Chris Wokes. We mentioned yeah, four years ago about his inability to bowl away from home when the pitch is flat and it's not doing a great deal. I think we've seen signs of that at the end there, that that was even more evident. Um, but it's not about the bowlers for me. It's about the batsmen scoring enough runs to give the bowlers a chance to be in this test match. And we haven't seen our batters yet, but all of a sudden we're 17 for two on a wicket where Australia have getting over 450. Now, will England get over 450? I very much doubt it. The rain's come just at the right time or the, the lightning's come just at the right time. 
Because I agree. I think England could have been four down at the end of play and that would have been embarrassing. Now Root's still there. There's every chance that Milan and Root can put a partnership together like they did in Brisbane. You know, get get the 150 overs uh, fielding out of their legs tonight and come back a little bit fresher in the morning. Um, so there's one ray of sunshine in a dark and dismal two days of Ashes Test Match cricket. The golf is huge because of home advantage. Golf is huge because of preparation that comes with it. England, England, if England were playing at home, I'd have backed England to be, you know, in a, in the same position what Australia are in, but. I think in the cold light of day, I think we realised that some of our players and some of our game plans just aren't up to playing away from home. And is it are we? Is it worth criticising too too much and too big? No, I don't think it is. I just think we are in a position where this is the limit that we've got as a team, and that limit is not up to the standard of where Australia's limit is at the this minute in time in their own back garden. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. So what? So what do England do? Because we are repeating the mistakes of four years ago. It seems um, we're repeating the test. We're repeating the mistakes of the first test. It seems, you know, going in with two bowlers that uh, that were undercooked and they look undercooked. Um, it, it's painful, you know. You mentioned Chris Wokes, one for a hundred and three from twenty three overs. You know, has anything really changed from four years ago? when he was going at 60, uh, an average of 60, I think. 
I mean, credit where credit's due. Australia know how to bat in these conditions. And these, you saw the gear change. They're quite happy to give up 40, 50 runs in the first session. They don't care. So they know they can just turn it on in the afternoon session when the bowlers are tired. It's, it's experience as well, isn't it? Um, and then when England come out to bat, it's, it's, it's rabbit in headlights time. One thing I'll say is, though, as you, made, you mentioned, this, one of the things about day-night cricket is, is that there's no way that it's basically you play day-night cricket like you would play a four-day game. Like, you know, there's all this talk about four-day cricket uh, or, or teams only being able to bat for, say, 120 overs and then have it being forced to declare. That's how that's the only way four-day cricket would work. OK, there'd just be too many draws otherwise. And in, in four-day cricket, what you'd see is a team basically accelerating towards the end just to make sure they get as many runs as possible before their over allocation comes to an end. That's what you see here. So Australia would have just carried on batting if it was a day game. They, they probably would have racked up for 600. They certainly wouldn't have upped the ante. They just would have kept going and going and going. And that makes for more interesting cricket. And it's worked for them tonight. You know, they've taken those two wickets. But in a weird way, well, not even a weird way, but it has given an opening to England because it's still a relatively flat pitch. And England are going to have two full sessions in the daytime tomorrow with Australia having 450 on the board rather than 650. So England are still just about in this. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but they can still make this match a contest, especially when you consider that Hazelwood and, and Cummins aren't playing. You know, it's about, but it's about getting Richardson and Nasa to that third and fourth spell and Mitchell Stark, who was expensive in first innings. Although I do feel that Lyon's going to play a park, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> before I delude everyone into thinking I'm getting too optimistic. No, you're, you're right. And this, this weather's come a bit like in Brisbane. It came just at the right time. The unfortunate thing for England and in Brisbane, England didn't get a chance to do what Australia have done tonight, which is get a quick burst in and and, and knock over our two opening batsmen. Um, Milan and, and Root showed at Brisbane in the daytime, even on a wicket which had a little bit in it. Concentration, uh, application, decision-making. If you get that all right, you can build an earns. And England put on 220 for two in that in that, that, that second innings at, at Brisbane. But I just wonder where the mentality of this side is at this minute in time, where physically and mentally where they are to go back to the well and keep going back to the well and the same person doing it time after time in, in our leader, in Joe Root. Um, and I agree. Can we get Mitchell Stark going at sixes? Can we get Nisa and, and Richardson going you know, into their fourth and fifth spell and see what sort of durability they have got but when I look at this England side at this minute you've got Milan yeah he batted well at, at, up at Brisbane yeah, he's vulnerable starting quite a, quite a bit you've got Stokes who hasn't batted for a while you've got Pope who looks as he, he's a bit like a cat in a hot tin roof where Joss is at at this moment in time I don't know well I do know because I've been there and I fear where he's where he's at mentally and I hope he comes out and scores some runs because it, it, we need him. Not only do we need him to score runs, but for Joss, he needs to score runs. Um, but if, it, if, the, if the wicket's not doing a great deal, and it's, it is going to turn, and it's going to turn, I think, quite sharply, but probably not tomorrow. It'll be the day after when it turns sharply. But Lyon, again, you look, 
he's got 400 test wickets. You know, this guy's not a duck egg. He's got 400 test wickets. Um, it's going to be difficult if if we lose an early wicket tomorrow morning. I think for us England supporters to have any chance of optimism, England are going to be non down by lunchtime. And then, where, as we've seen, not only does the the day get easier in that middle session, if you've got two players who are in going into the last session when it is supposed to be at its best for the bowlers who risk a bit, who do try and over pitch and go for the glory balls. If you've got two players in, they can score quickly. So it could work the other way. If, if you, if your application is right and giving yourself the best chance, if all of a sudden you're, you're five down, six down going into tea time, then you get blown away. Absolutely blown away. Cause the second new ball will be due. And then obviously with it, the tail end that we've got, as we've seen in the in the, the test match at Brisbane, you could get blown away. So I think a lot rides tomorrow morning on the two that are in there, just dampening down the enthusiasm of Australia's bowlers. Was it part of the plan that Joe Root was going to bowl 20 overs? No, I don't think it was. But I think, I still think the right, combina- the right combination, i.e., um, I don't think the plan was for Ben Stokes to bowl 25 overs either. But I think the right combination of five seamers was the way to go. The problem we've got in England is we've got, and this is going to be a bit controversial, you've got Broad and Anderson, who we haven't been able to to do without from a bowling department for so long. And we still need them. But the problem with that is that Broad now is a number 10. And obviously, Jimmy's number 11. So to fit a, to fit a, a, other bowlers around them two, you've got to find somebody who can bat. We haven't found a spinner who that can play good enough test match cricket that can bat at number eight, like during my time, Ashley Giles. And then a little bit, little bit later on, somewhere like Graham Swan with Stuart Broad, you know, the former Stuart Broad behind him. So the balance of the side is always going to come in question where how do we get a spinner in the side, especially if our spinner can't, can't bat. So he's, so all, of a, so all of a sudden we've got Broden Anderson at 10-11 and a spinner at number nine if that spinner is good enough. That spinner is not good enough to, 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 to have that role. Plus, you've got a batting unit who you can't just say, right, us six batters will bat, just you catch the ball and pick our four best bowlers, a bit like in the late 90s, with four, with four bowlers of Alan Mullally, Devin Malcolm, Phil Tufnell, if you've got a proper batting unit. We haven't got that. We haven't got the luxury of that. So all of a sudden, Broden Anderson, they don't, they don't complicate matters from a ball point of view, but actually balancing the side to get a spinner in the side, you complicate the matters from a batting point of view because none of them can bat number eight if you want a Mark Wood in your side because we're literally going to have to play four number tens. That's the conundrum that the England select, the selection panel has got at this minute in time. So they've got the long way in the answer of the not playing a spinner is the spinner's not good enough in Australian conditions with the ball and he lengthens our tail with the baton. So I could understand a little bit why they were looking at somebody like Don Bess. But even that, Joe Root is just, you get just as much out of Joe Root bowling 20 overs, apart from putting pressure on his back. Um, in our fourth bowler, i.e., it would it be Robinson or Wokes is always going to play, so it was either Robinson or Broad. 
you get more value out of Robinson abroad than you would have done out of Leach or Bess. So for me, the combination was right. It was five seamers. The problem they had was they didn't pick the right five seamers to well four seamers to play because they had to play Mark Wood. And not just saying that because you know what the way I always say it, but we've got Chris Wokes, Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, and Ollie Robinson doing a similar, similar type job. And the one that stood out in that middle of the afternoon yesterday was was Ben Stokes. If we had another one of them, I'm not sure Australia would have got 473. No, I agree. What do the, the thing is though, like, why did they even bring Leach? They didn't play him all summer. No. They then bring him to Australia. They play him at the Gabba of all places. And then they drop him for Adelaide. Yeah. Um, are they going to bring him back for Melbourne? I don't think. Oh, well, I mean, I don't think so. But they'll bring, Wood, so. they'll bring Wood back because yeah. they have to. I don't know what they're going to do with Wokes. I mean, what are they going to do? Because, okay, batting at number eight. But, I mean, he's not going to be saving any test matches batting at eight anytime soon. Then do they go to Overton? Who can well, that, that's who, exactly it. But Overton, Overton played four eight. years as well. You know, yeah. what, what it, next? Get Tom Curran it, playing. Yeah, and they've just sent home. If England get beat, if England get beat, if England are 3-0 down after Boxing Day, you got to look and think, right, where's Mahmood? Where's Parkinson? Where's all these guys? They're on a the plane. They're, they've gone back home. They've gone back home. So you, you're stuck with what you've got. Yeah, Is there any point Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad playing the fourth and fifth test match of England are 3-0 down. Ashes have gone. You know, we, we said we're not going to make the same mistake we did four years ago. Well, we have. <laughs> um, and it's simple. And, it, and it's not hindsight. You know, a lot of us, a lot of people who have played the game, who have been to Australia, who have had their pants pulled down and smacked backside and gone 5-0 in the past, <laughs> had said before this test series, you know, we can see this happening. That's nothing against... Ability, I'd understand if we got blown away, but we haven't been blown away. We've actually met, we've met our own wrongdoing. You know, we should have both first in Brisbane and nobody can convince me that was the wrong decision. We should have played Mark Wood in this test match. Nobody convinced me that's their own wrongdoing. Australia bowled no, no balls in this test series so far and England have bowled 19, I think. England have dropped... 10 catches and took two wickets off no balls. That's their own doing. That's not good batting, good bowling, very skillful stuff from Australia. That's their own doing. And when you do things like that, it puts pressure on players who you think can can at maximum, maximum effort, um, ability to get by, just get by on creating everything you need and catching everything you can to have a chance of winning this series. And unfortunately, we're asking Chris Wokes, Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, Ollie Robinson, especially Ollie Robinson and Chris Wokes, who played in the first test match, to go into their fifth and sixth spells seven days into an Ashes series. Mine baffles, baffles me how we've got to this position from a selection point of view, we we can't do anything about the the preparation stuff because that is that's the way the way it goes. But you can you can do things about catching cricket balls. You know you can do things about keeping your feet behind the line. These things are make a massive massive difference in the context of what's happened so far. 
England are staring down a barrel of losing 5-0. And at this minute in time, what, five innings? Five and a bit innings into the contest? We have we have bowled 19 more no balls than them. We've dropped 10 catches more than them. And we took two wickets off no balls more than them. And they're playing at home. People will say, oh, they've blown you away. They haven't. We've contributed with the toss, with team selection. We've contributed to our own uh, our own fallen by the wayside. Moment of the day. Who was your first test wicket? Adja Dagarka caught Mark Butcher at Trent Bridge in 2002. And everybody will say, oh, brilliant, Butch fielded it slip. That must have been a good delivery. It was called third man trying to uppercut, <laughs> uppercut one off his nose. <laughs> but in the fish and chip wrapper, it says caught Butcher. So everybody will think that's a good ball. That must have been dragged him forward, Nick, slip. Well done, Butch. Good catch, low down diving at Trent Bridge. No, it was caught third man uppercutting off his nose. Well, to be honest with you, they'll be thinking that has uh, that. Uh, actually, who was it who caught? I, actually, I've got to work. Mitchell Stark. To, that was Mitchell, Mitchell Stark. Oh yeah, there's yeah. no way he's in the slips. No. It's but it's great, Fanisa. It was great. Well, he, he batted well. well. He, he batted was, well, but it was a poor, poor shot. It was a poor shot, wasn't it? Very poor shot. I mean, that's not the kind of shot that you expect. That. Dominic Sibley got out a similar way, actually, a couple of times, didn't he? Just kind of shoveling it to a field yeah, of station a close to the wicket on the on the uh, leg side. Um, but, I mean, look, it was, it, you couldn't help but smile. I mean, that was quite a reaction. Even the drinks drinks guys came running on. It was a bit like when Brian Lara reached 400 and all yeah. the policemen jumped on. It was a bit like it was a bit like that. I mean, that was that was quite a moment. It's too early to say whether he's going to get another couple, um, couple like that. I mean, sure he will in this test match, but uh, the, the what what has concerned me about this series so far is the Aussies have smiled a lot, haven't they? Yeah. There's been there's been it's just been the most good natured Ashes series I can ever remember. Even David Warner's yeah. smiling. They've got a good right to smile because they're not working hard. They're not working that hard to beat us at the minute, this minute in time. Going back to what I said before about all the, the misgivings that England have had. England are, England are going a long way of beating themselves. And that, you can't, that overseas, you just can't do. And it's, and it's horrible to watch. You know, I feel so sorry for, the, for everybody involved, from the masses to the physios to the coaching staff to the players, players that aren't playing. I feel sorry for them because I know what it's like. I know what it's going through. It's such a lonely existence and such a lonely place. And Joe can come out and say the boys are in good spirit. We're training hard. You might be, but the feeling is unbelievable when that door closes at night time. It is unbelievable. You know, I, I can sympathise where Rory Burns at this, at this minute in time. I can imagine what Joss Butler was going through last night in his room. You know, whether you know where he's got his family there. I think. I can understand what they're going through. And it is heartbreaking. It is painful. And you feel they're the loneliest person in the world. You've got no friends anywhere. You've got nobody to talk to because you don't want to talk to anybody. You just want the whole to gobble you up. And you know, you just want to, you just want to, you don't want to end. You don't want it to end because what happens is the feeling of 
uh, the feeling of, of of just sort of so much depression and so much um, the dark the dark feeling that you have. You've somehow got to get yourself up in the morning to brush your teeth, get in the lift, go downstairs, put a smile on your face, get on the bus, be crack with the lads, go out, and then start again and try and hopefully to work hard in the warm up in the process to get yourself in a position to hope that things will change and your luck will change. And that's why I really hope Joss gets runs tomorrow afternoon when he gets the bat in his hand, because if he doesn't, then it, it, it just gets, it, it can get kicked down the road a bit and it just gets, the hole gets bigger and Rory's in the same place. And I, I, I hope that, I'm sure that, that all the lads are around him and looking after him, but it'll make no consolation whatsoever because trust me, Rory, I know where you're at, know what you're going through. And it's not a very nice place. Not a very nice place. You've somehow, you've just got to make sure that you feel as though you you can get out the other side of it. And I, I did. I didn't run away from it. I did. After what happened in Brisbane, and still being on the field at Sydney, <clears throat> and he's a senior player, and he's got to stand up. Both of them have to stand up. Um, and it's it's not a nice thing. But unfortunately, I don't think England, as a unit, are helping themselves. <clears throat> When uh, when things start going wrong, you see the team fracturing, don't you? You see uh, yeah. little groups appearing. Do you see that possibility? Do you see do you see this team starting to fracture at all anytime soon? No, I don't. I really don't. I think this is a better team than what I think this is a not a better group than what we had in two thousand and six seven. I'm only going off experience here. I don't know what happened at other times. I think there's a group of of players that they're, they're good mates around them. In six, seven, we had all our families there, so we never really got a chance to get around each other. So there were little fractions. I don't see this being too, I think, the, the key key components on this lot, the likes of Root, Stokes, Butler, Broad Anderson, them two have been there before, well, they've all been there before. And I think they've seen what's happened in the past and, and hopefully that they'll, you know, they'll be able to identify what the key times are to make sure the unit sticks together um, I don't see that yet. Not quite yet. Um, we haven't heard from the coach too much. We heard assistant coach Graham Thorpe the other yeah yesterday. Um, if England do lose badly in this this game, there'll be a huge amount of pressure on the coach because of I criticised what he said in the last game. Yeah, we'll come back the old cliche of learning, saying it's a long series. Well, you lose a toss or. Things don't go right. If we get beat here, lose a toss, don't go right. Games, game could be the ashes could be over in, in uh, Boxing Day's lunchtime. And that's not a long series, and that for me is worrying. What is coming out? There'll be huge question marks on the ECB. Have we got the right structure in place to give the players and everybody the best chance to go and perform the best we can to win an Ashes away from home? Bear in mind, we've only won it twice away from home and donkey's years um there'll be all these question marks going on that but at the minute i think the players look as though they're not that they are quite together and fingers crossed to steer that way for a, a little bit longer what is going to happen tomorrow okay homie what is going to happen on day three of the second test at adelaide <clears throat> I'd love to say England are going to go and get 350 and be in with a chance of winning the game by bowling Australia out. 
for 180 and chasing, you know, putting them in a position to chase, you know, 280, 300 on the last, in the fourth innings, maybe he's come a bit short. I've got a funny feeling Australia are going to blow us away tomorrow. I really do. I really, that's, that's the disappointing thing where, where I, as a pundit and watching, I really don't see where England come back from this. Uh, I think as much as I think the team are still as a unit, I just think our our natural ability is in headspace at this minute in time is in such a place where if Australia get like in Brisbane, they get a wicket or two wickets in the first 40 minutes. I don't see England getting... I don't see England getting out of this. I don't see England getting four seven three twice. I really don't. Uh, even though Australia will bat again and get themselves a position to to declare when the lights are at their optimum best. Stokes hasn't had a bat for a while. Pope looks horribly out of touch. And you know where's Josh Butler's head at? Artiel didn't wag. Arguably, it's weaker. Things are telling me that we might get blown away if Mitchell Stark comes in tomorrow morning and puts the ping ball in the right place like he has done in the previous eight ping ball test matches while he's averaging 18, 46 wickets. Everything's telling me that Australia might just might just be too good for us tomorrow. Well, for Harmy to say that uh, that doesn't bode well, but we shall see. We'll be back, whatever happens, whether we're looking back at uh, David Milan and Joe Root's double century partnership for the third wicket, or we are looking back at uh, England being bundled out. Will Australia bat again? Probably. Um, look, we'll have to wait and see. A little bit of a downbeat show, it must be said, can't lie. Uh, that was a bit of a painful day, really, for England and uh, the promise of uh, a couple more to come, if maybe just in this test match alone. We shall see. Either way, uh, we'll be back. Thanks for listening to the following on podcast and uh, to following on the Ashes Inquest on TalkSport. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 